You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. There has been a lyric that has graced the mega mixes of just about every party that has been out there, every uh, DJ box that has ever been at a party, whether it's 15-year-olds through to 55-year-olds. Uh, some funny guys with a funny accent. They say, when I wake up, yeah, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the one to wake up next to you. <laughs> and when I go out, yeah, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the one to go out next to you. And come on, we, we know how the chorus goes, but I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more just to be the one who walked 1,000 miles to fall down at your door. <laughs> do, do, we know, do we know who, uh, do we know who, who sang that? That's for extra bonus points, get into heaven early. Escape the proclaimers. It indeed was the proclaimers, and tonight we'll see from this passage uh, that uh, the message is inextricably linked to the messenger. Whenever we hear that, that song, whenever we hear those funny accents, we say that is the proclaimers. And part of what this passage teach, teaches us tonight is that we as Christians don't have that much uh, difference from this Scottish identical twins over there. <laughs> In the sense that this passage teaches us, like the Scottish twins, that we are also proclaimers. We are proclaimers of the gospel. We are proclaimers of the good news. Verse 2 of Second Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, Timothy, I give you this charge. Preach the word. <laughs> That's the question we're going to ask ourselves tonight. Why should we? Why don't we turn to Second Timothy chapter 4. Uh, for the final chapter in this book that we have been journeying through together, the end is drawing closer and closer to Paul. He says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of, this, in, in, in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears, ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure." I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. That is the question we must ask ourselves when leading a legacy. Why should we care about preaching the word? Why should we make up our minds that this is what we will preach and we will continue to preach and all we will preach? Why should we worry about this? And not only that, and I know it's a question you're asking yourself tonight, how, well, how, does this, how do you know this applies to me? That's, that's your job, Sam. I know some people are thinking, oh, this is Paul writing to Timothy. This is just for pastors. This is just for a paid minister. That's your job to do, preach the word. That's where you, where, where you give say. Look, you know what I say to that? Bull Rush. Oh, you thought I was saying something else then, didn't you? Bull Rush. You remember we used to play Bull Rush as a kid? 
Played in the school playground before it used to get banned, occupational health and safety, all that sort of stuff came in. Kids had break legs, broken arms. I loved Bull Rush because the way Bull Rush worked is that you, uh, you had uh, someone who was standing in the middle of the school oval and you had just a, a whole bunch of, of rabid uh, primary school or teenagers at one end of the football field and their job was to run as hard as they could in all sorts of different directions in order, in order to avoid being tagged. And if you got tagged, then tag you were it, and you were in, and you helped the person that was in the middle go and tag others. You see, anyone that has heard the gospel, anyone that has received the gospel, has been tagged. Tag you are it. And in that sense, you are to begin to, with me, just because I do this from a pulpit here on a Sunday night, with me, stand at the middle of that field when there is a world out there of people who will turn their ears to all sorts of things, Paul says, will run in all sorts of directions and say, tag you are it. Bull rush. <laughs> what I'm saying is, in other words, whilst, yes, we admit that this is a letter addressed to a pastor, it's not solely the job of the pastor to preach the gospel. In fact, every Christian is a minister for the gospel. Every Christian is a minister for the word. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 4, that we, all of us carry the treasure, the treasure he talked about in chapter 1 of this book, the treasure of the gospel in vessels of clay. And then Jesus himself says, Jesus himself says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when, when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. That's in Mark chapter 8, verse 38. Jesus. Everyone is a minister for the gospel. Tag, you're it. <laughs> because it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. It's not just because we have to, not because just Jesus says so. It's because the gospel, the gospel is a story of God breaking into humanity. The word of God is proof of that. The word of God is proof that the gospel is this unimaginable, important news that the one who has saved us from death now makes us safe from death, makes us holy, uh, makes us secure for all eternity. Now, He's done all that, not because we've got, to, we've got to go and earn it. We keep on hearing this, but he's done it out of his own grace. And, and, and the, the, the thing that I think every, every time I get up here is, what planet are you on if that doesn't excite you? <laughs> what planet are you on if, if, if the concept of something outside of this system, the concept of a God who just doesn't sit up there in the stratosphere, but injects himself into humanity to come and save and rescue us and be intimately involved in that, we should get excited about it. But it's also, it's also why we Christians shouldn't just you know, mock history and, and not worry about history or not think that history is important because God has broken in. Because it's in history that we see God decisive before the beginning of time. God uh, appearing not just in general to human beings, but in a specific human being. God broke into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. Look it up in Google Maps. <laughs> Born Bethlehem. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, died, buried, rose again, ate, walked, taught. God broke into the world in the incarnation. The incarnation is a historical event. And so when a Christian thinks about preaching the word, we're not just recommending following Jesus because it feels good. We're not recommending following Jesus because it's the most rational of all the other religions. We're not recommending that you follow Jesus just because it's the best spirituality out there. We're, we're saying it because it's bound up in the fact that God has revealed himself in history. And it's preserved in the word. Preach the word. 
And so although it's important, it is vitally important in church to talk about love and compassion and mercy and the truth of God and his transforming power, at the end of the day, what we're saying here is when we preach the word that it's a historical fact that God turned up on the scene. Now what is tragic is when we see this truth, we see friends that see this truth and they choose to walk away from it. It's one thing to treat Christianity like this philosophical type argument, but when you look at the facts... The fact that this movement emerged out of nothing from first century Palestine. And for someone to say, even if they're a Christian, I believe that Jesus rose and he's the son of God and he died on the cross and he paid for my sins, but I just want to do it my own way anyway. <laughs> that's terribly sad. That's, that's, it, yeah, it's, it's like saying, yeah, I, I know the, the way to Newcastle is north, but I'm going south. <laughs> like it's... It's, it's not only just sort of being, being lost, it's, it's being silly and being lost. It's to refute the facts. So, look, if you're in the final few weeks of your life, what, what, would, you, what would you put down pen to paper in terms of the things that really matter? And Paul, one of the greatest theologians the world's ever seen, Paul, the author of the almighty book of Romans, Paul, the author of Galatians, Paul, the author of half of the New Testament. There's no time now for discussion around theology and doctrine. He just says simply, Timothy, preach the word. Reality, God's truth, reality, he's broken it, not just because I'm empowering you to go and do so, not just because tag you're it, it's because... To be a Christian is to receive uh, the good news that you're a part of a story outside of this system, outside of the ups and downs and the tragedies of life. There is something better. I mean, want to share it. Come, Groupon, Spreets, Kudo. Uh, like we, we, have, we have no issue sharing with our friends when we see that there's a pretty good deal going on, right? We've got no issue with, with five of them. Uh, look, check this deal out and, 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 and sending them off. <laughs> But when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the word of God, well, why, 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 should, why should we preach? That's the question that we have to ask within ourselves. Paul wants us to, to, to lift up the word of God and magnify the, the gospel and, and the glory of what it accomplishes, that, that it, it saves us and it makes us holy and safe for all of eternity. And so therefore, in verse 1, in verse 1, that's what he was getting at. In verse 1, he says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and here's where he says, in, in view of, in light of, in light of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. And so therefore, in light of this, if you believe that, if you believe that God spanned the universe in order to be in a relationship with you, preach the word. If you're the sort of person that believed that Jesus broke into humanity and was a real person, preach the word. If you believe that he didn't just break in here and have some good teachings, but he died and he was raised again by the power of God, preach the word. Tag, you're it. It's, it's for everyone. It's for everyone. Therefore, in light of this, we see that proclaimers first and foremost tonight, they talk the talk. <laughs> proclaimers talk the talk. They preach the word. How? Verse 2. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. How do we do that? <laughs> because I, I know how we, we, we could be. We, we get in there. We sort of flick through the Bible like this. Oh, I know who that applies to. 
Jot it down. Oh, yeah, that, that is them for sure. And we want to go and grab the word of God and we want to beat people around the head about, about it. We want to buffet them around the head about it. We want to say, I know exactly who the word of God is talking to. And, you know, in my own life, I see the best way to correct and rebuke and encourage is to preach the gospel to yourself. You preach the gospel to yourself. You, you, you apply the gospel to yourself and you don't go looking for the text, you know, what God is saying for everyone else. Instead, you go to the text saying, what is God saying to me? Continue to preach it to yourself. We're, de- we're desperate for God to apply that to ourselves because, you know, I know in my own life, I don't, I don't dare assume just because I have this role here that I'm above the role of preaching. We, 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 we churn through it. We, we preach it to ourselves first. And so in that sense, you, you need to let God buffet you with his word in your study before you think you can go off and start buffeting other people. <laughs> you need to get God to start hitting you with this stuff before you hit other people. But also to encourage and admonish and exhort us, you need that to happen to yourself first before you go do that with other people. That's the challenge. And so therefore, before we go to the practice of preaching the gospel to the others, we've got to preach it to ourselves. That's, that's the great challenge in all of this. We are hearers first and proclaimers second. Why? Because the gospel is always the most effective when there's proclamation but also demonstration. When there's not only you putting it out there but it's, it's living lives that demonstrate it. That, that putting out the credibility but also living lives that demonstrate its plausibility. This sort of stuff really works. We preach it to ourselves. Now if that's how we do it, when, when do we preach the gospel? And it's all the time. He says, preach it in season and out of season. Reminds me of a story of a Sunday school teacher. There with a little kid playing a funny little game in which there's a box there and they had to describe an item that was inside the box in the kids' church. And the teacher said to all the kids, well, it's white and it's fluffy. It's a little kid, Timmy's looking a bit miffed. It's got four legs. Lives on a farm, still looking a bit surprised. And it goes, bah, and it lives in New Zealand. <laughs> and his kid's still looking, looking a bit puzzled. And the kid looks up at her and says, well, it sounds like a sheep, but I know the answer is always Jesus. You see, we, we must be ready in season and out of season because in some respects, because no matter the occasion, the answer is always Jesus. <laughs> it's half true. The gospel's not just the ABCs of the Christian life. Remember, it's the A to Z. There's the, the, the solution to every problem that we find deep inside us, I believe wholeheartedly, is found in the gospel. It's the answer is always Jesus. And here's how we think, right? Sometimes we think that there are inappropriate times to be sharing Jesus around the water cooler, in the middle of a board, boardroom meeting. You know, we've, I, I, I know stories of Northsiders that in a boardroom have, have worked out, never met each other, and suddenly discovered they're both going to the same church in the middle of a boardroom. There is never the wrong time to, to share your faith. And so we think, well, there, there are these in, in, inappropriate times. But guys, Paul is saying, in view of this, in light of the fact that God has broken in, in light of the bigger story, there is never... An awkward time to share the mind-blowing reality that God is real. And what, what Paul means is that we're to speak the gospel, not when it's convenient or inconvenient for the other people. <laughs> Sorry, is this a bad time? Now, what he means is we're to share the gospel when it's not only convenient but inconvenient for us. 
See, there's nothing to which will be called for which the Bible is inappropriate. Be ready then. Thus, look, we've, got, we've always got the opportunity to share our faith with others. We've always got the opportunity. And, 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 and it should always try and take precedence over everything we do. How much we get that bigger picture dictates how important we see this as an activity in our lives. It's not, it's not the only important activity in our lives, but it's a question of what priority we want to put on it. It, it depends on what sort of attitude we have walking into the week as to whether we will look for every opportunity and advantage to preach the word. Now, let's, let's be real here. Do we? <laughs> why, 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 why don't we? Well, like Calvin says in his commentary, be instant in season and out of season. By these words, he recommends not only constancy, but likewise earnestness, so as to overcome all hindrances and difficulties for being by nature Exceedingly slothful, we easily yield to the slightest opposition and sometimes we gladly seek apologies for our slothfulness. Doesn't mince around with those words there, does he? I'm just a messenger, by the way, tonight. I'm just delivering the mail. Yeah. You see, but but it's it's true. He's look, what he was saying is by nature that and I, I know it's true of myself. There's there's a fear in all of us. There's an uncertainty in all of us, right? There's a desire to be liked in all of us. There's a desire to hear good things about ourselves in all of us. There's a desire to advance our careers in all of us. There's a desire to not be put down. There's a desire not to have opposition. You get what I'm saying? You, you, you guys are the ones that are in those positions more than I. We, we, we fear. And so the idea here is to stand firm and to stand ready. Stand firm and to stand ready. That is to do this sort of kind of preparation beforehand that, 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 that should, should, should the opportunity arise, then we're, then we're ready to do it. What, is, what does it say? What, First Peter 3.15? Always be ready to give an answer, to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Doesn't it say exactly what Paul was saying in, in verse 3 of this passage? You know, I've heard someone say, you, you ready? And their response was, I stay ready in order that I don't have to keep staying that way. (laughs) I don't have to keep getting that way. The only way that you're always ready is if you're plumbing the depths of the scriptures constantly and consistently and contextually. Be prepared. Are you ready? We need to be prepared with a gospel answer for everything. And in that sense, have you thought about the ways that the gospel applies to your life? Have you thought about the ways that the, the word applies to your life? It's something we'll always constantly do to plumb those depths of our lives. Talk the talk. Be ready in season and out of season to preach the word. Because there's no area of life that is inappropriate to share the word. And there's no time of life that's inconvenient to share the word. Proclaimers talk the talk to themselves first so they're ready in season and out of season to share God's reality with others gently and carefully. They not only talk the talk, proclaimers also walk the walk. We look through this whole book, chapters 2 and 3. Paul sets up all these dichotomies of people, now, people that are approved workmen ready, those that are disapproved, those that are being obedient to the gospel, those that are walking away from the gospel, those that are getting caught up in the ways of the world, those that are living and pursuing righteousness and peace, right? We've been through this. Sets up this, this balance and, and every time he says, but Timothy, but as for you, but as for you, but as for you, don't be like that. And so now we hear that again. He says in verse 4, others, they're going to turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside the myths. They're going to run aside the myths. But as for you, Timothy, you will not do that. You won't do that. How? How? 
How do you not do that? Verse 5, but keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. You see, Paul says to Timothy, you, you, uh, you walk the talk by keeping your head about you, by keeping your head on straight. You proclaim the gospel to yourself over and over again. And in case you missed it, he says in the letter, endure suffering. In case you missed verse 12 of chapter 3, that in fact everyone who wants to live a godly life is going to be persecuted. And then he says, do the work of an evangelist. Call people to the gospel. Be a proclaimer. Call, call people to the gospel. Be a proclaimer. And then he says, fulfill your ministry. What does that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 7. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. Verses 6 to 8, he tells us. You know what Paul's really saying there? (laughs) He's saying, when I'm lonely, yes, I know I'm going to be. I'm going to be the man who's lonely without you. (laughs) And when I'm dreaming... Yes, I know I'm going to dream. I'm going to dream about the time when I'm with you. And he says to Jesus Christ, but I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more just to be the man who walked 1,000 miles to fall down at your door. He probably walked a lot more than 500 miles, Paul, when you see the the, the length of his missionary journeys. He says to, to Timothy, and by implication to you and me tonight, there are two groups of people in this world, those who are going to drift off and those who are going to remain true, those who are going to live lives in opposition to the gospel and the word of God, and those that live true to it. And he says, I want you to endure and to proclaim and preserve and endure the suffering that it will inevitably follow just to watch God people and God bring these people into the right side of the camp. And as you do, watch yourself and watch these tendencies that if you leave unchecked, they're going to pull you off path. And when you get the least bit tired... He says, Timothy, and he says to us tonight, I want, I want you to remind yourself of something. I want, you to, I want you to remind yourself of your old friend Paul. And when your days get dark, you remember that while I sat in this dank, dark existence waiting to be executed, here's my mindset. He says, Timothy, I've done what I was called to do. I fulfilled my ministry. I've completed what I've been called to do. And I'll continue to do what I've been called to do until I'm called to be in the arms of Jesus Christ. I don't know, would you you like a faith like that? How can we be sure we're going to have a faith like that when we're 15, 19, 25, 35 years worth of age? One thing's for sure, that's why I love seeing older members of the congregation because we can see that there are people that have fought the good fight that have endured through the race. How did he have a a faith like that? He had hope. You know, Stephen Covey calls it beginning with the end in mind. (laughs) And Christians call it hope. Paul had hope in verse 8. And how do you keep your head about you? You hope. You, you, You see hope. We always know. We've talked about this. How you see your future affects how you live the present. And because Paul had a longing to see Jesus Christ, because he says anyone that's a believer, anyone that's a proclaimer has a hope that they're one day going to see Jesus Christ. Then you can not only endure the pain that is coming your way, but you can begin to live as a living sacrifice. You can not not only endure suffering, but find joy in the midst of the suffering. 
We walk the talk when we keep our heads about us. We walk the talk when we hope. And so if it was part of a movie soundtrack tonight, guys, if we got to the, this end of, 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 of Second Timothy, we'd start cueing the music. It would be the nice sort of orchestral strings. It would be in a minor key because it's, it's a sad moment. Paul is, Paul is literally weeks, maybe even days, from his impending death. And as the, the time starts ticking away, he desperately longs to see, we see this wonderful humanity in, in Paul, he desperately longs to see his long-lost son, Timothy, again. And he says, hey, Timmy, when you do come, can you bring me a, a jacket and a book? <laughs> it's kind of lonely and dark in here. And so it's reminiscent of, 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 of that scene. I almost I think of uh, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader in Star Wars, in which Luke has finally converted him to the good side from the dark side of the Force. And Vader says, Luke, let me look upon you with my own eyes. <laughs> and he says, you were, you were right about me. Look, Paul was the Darth Vader. Paul was the Darth Vader. Of, 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 of the New Testament story, the one that was persecuting the church in Acts chapter 8. And he says, you know what? God was right about me. There, there, there was that good in me. By his grace, <laughs> I've been changed. And Timothy, I long to just look upon your face once more. And sadly, we think that's never to be the case. And so to a timid Timmy, a shy Timmy, a scared Timmy, an uncertain Timothy with the weight of the world upon his shoulders. He says, no matter what you're doing, I want you to ask yourself this question, Tim, is it worth turning away? He says, I'm about to face a righteous judge who will award me with the crown of righteousness. He says to him, Timothy, what, is, what could possibly be worth turning away? He says to us tonight, what could possibly be worth turning away from this faith, from that crown that is awaiting for us? More respect more status, fewer tough hits in life. What's, what's worth turning away in your life and your ministry this evening? In light of all that Paul has modelled to us, here's what I want to ask you tonight. Is it, is it, is it bigger than a dead Jesus? Because <laughs> last time I checked, if God could, could raise, my God could raise Jesus from the dead, then I think whatever you're facing in life at the moment, whatever sort of hurdles you're going to face in life at the moment, they're certainly not going to be as big as a dead Jesus who was raised and brought to life again. That's the sort of God that we uh, await. That is the sort of God that is intimately involved in our lives. And so you want to talk about a faith journey? You want to walk the faith journey that Paul did? Guys, don't just talk the talk. Walk the talk. Endure hardship and suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Preach the word. He says to simply do ministry, fulfill what God is calling you to do. You see, to be a Christian is to say, when I come home, yeah, I know I'm going to be. I'm going to be the one who comes back home to you. And if I grow old, well, I know I'm going to be. I'm going to be the one who's growing old with you. But I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more just to be the one who walked 1,000 miles to fall down at your door. Every Christian says that to Jesus Christ tonight. Every Christian has that hope tonight. Every Christian is spurred on by that vision and that directive in their life. Guys, how are you leading a legacy? Because according to Paul, it's about protecting the gospel. 
You're a torchbearer for gospel. You're, you're carrying the flame, passing it down from generation to generation. He calls us tonight to progress the gospel, to pay it forward, to be building our 3G networks, <laughs> to, be, to, be, to be leading a legacy, to be having a, not just a one-dimensional faith. He calls us to produce a character consistent with the gospel. It's one thing to know the gospel, but it's another thing to develop a character and to grow in the gospel. He calls us to persevere in the gospel. Everyone who's living a godly life is going to be persecuted. And as Graham said, suffering is suffering's inevitable, but misery optional. And tonight he says, preach the word. You are a proclaimer, <laughs> like those Scottish guys. And so I ask you finally at the end of this series, how do you view the Christian life? It was a question I asked at the very beginning. How do you view the Christian life? Is it just one, some one-dimensional spiritual journey where all you're worried about is your own salvation, your relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Will it end with you? Is it a one-generational thing or will you pass it on? See, all of us is leading a legacy. All of us, whether we like it or not, every day when we live our lives, the relationships, family and friends, we're always making a name for ourselves. And so I ask you that question tonight. To what extent are you leading a legacy. Preach the word. Tag. <laughs> You're it. If you haven't played spiritual bull rush before, by the way, <laughs> there is an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. There is an opportunity to step into the greatest adventure that you will ever experience in your life. You do that through faith in him. Guys, we're going to come to a time of ministry tonight. Uh, we're at the end of a series. I really want to encourage you tonight. We normally save this spiel until we've done the communion talk. I really want to encourage you tonight, if God has spoken to you in some way throughout this series, if God has, has laid people on your heart that you want to get alongside of, if, 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 if God is, is, is calling you to greater things, then please come out the back and receive prayer. If you've got a, a burning desire in your heart to, to, to be doing something that's worthwhile and, and to make a name where it's not about you but it's about Jesus Christ and you, you, you're seeing your world turned upside down by his power and his grace, come out for prayer tonight. Prayer here in this place is ministry time in this place. It's not just sort of something where we think it's for the people that have got issues. Okay, guys, it, it, prayer is not just praying for the work. Prayer is the work of God. Prayer is the power of God. So if we're seeking to lead a legacy in this place, I, I believe wholeheartedly there are some people in this place tonight that have ministries that could explode around the world with the power of God and his grace. The only way we can tap into that is through prayer. The only way you can begin this spiritual bull rush is through prayer and by asking Jesus Christ into your life. Seriously consider it. Let's um, pray in the meantime. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. <laughs> thank you that we have something to stand upon that's unshifting, that's life-giving, that's powerful. Father, we ask now that you open up the opportunities and the doors uh, for each and every one of us to share our faith and to proclaim this message this week as we walk out into uh, our various worlds, Father God. Father, we recognise tonight that this whole legacy stuff is just not a nice, kitschy little concept. Father God, it's been the very means by which we have received the faith. It's the very means by which we are doing this right now, doing church, hearing the word, worshipping you through the music. Father God, it's all because of those who have been the torchbearers passing this from one person to the other down the generations. Father, we want to be a part of that story tonight. We want this to be a significant moment for Northside in that sense, Father God, as a church. 
Father God, we pray for ministries through our people here that it will explode beyond our wildest imagination. Father, we pray for relationships that in, even in the smallest of the small, it could be a conversation over dinner tonight. It could be a friendship that is made tonight. May one day, day in five years or 10 years or 30 years be the defining moment for someone's life. Be the moment in which they've experienced or connected to God, into God in a new way. So in that sense, Father, we hand this whole series over to you. We hand this whole concept over to you and that we ask that you bring the the right people into our lives. You make us aware of those around us that we uh, can sow into, that we can seek to share this good news with and also look for those who can sow into us. Father, may this be a church that is constantly leading a legacy, the legacy that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, God breaking into humanity. For that, we love you. We thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.